the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. This has not been a friendly week for tax stocks. But do you remember as 2020 wrapped up, I said, I'm raising a little bit of money. It's been a good week for me because I have a little bit of money and there's a big correction. Will it become a bear market happening in big tech, particularly seen in the NASDAQ? Might. So one of the reasons you raise money on occasion is so you can take advantage of dips in the market. I raised money last year a little bit out of diversification. Big stories this week that I didn't really talk about that I should have. Something I try to do is get to the news that I want it to use and just do it a heck of a lot faster. Amazon and the NFL. Amazon's talking about paying $1 billion for Thursday night games starting in 2023, all of them. Taking that away from Fox Television. Fox pays $660 million annually for the broadcast rights for the games. Amazon pays between $75 million and $100 million for streaming rights. They want the TV rights. Going to be interesting because uh, owners have never met a revenue stream they didn't like in video games. The audience um, hasn't been good on streaming so far. But are we going that direction? The answer is yes. I don't even talk cord cutting anymore because it's 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 cord cutting is no longer strange to people. I used to talk cord cutting on a regular basis on this show. Not anymore. Um, I didn't. There was a story this week that I wanted to develop that I couldn't. This will show you how I work. Restaurant owner slams influencer asking for free food. I've got a cousin. Yeah, she's a cousin who is trying to be an influencer. I actually guess she's a niece. Some I don't know. I don't know bloodlines well. She's trying to be an influencer, and she's just not very good. She's a good-looking woman. She's very stylish. She lives in Southern California. A lot of things fall into like this. It sounds good. Uh, she's a little freakishly tall, like six foot five, and I don't say that in a bad way, but as a model that works in her favor as a person of society, it's a little weird looking like, Whoa, why didn't she play volleyball or basketball is probably the question she gets a lot, but she's the type of person who may contact a restaurant and say, Hey, me and my girlfriend's going to be in town and we'd love some free grub. And, uh, I'll do a poster to about you. Like how good your pizza is. Can I get five free orders of pizza? And this restaurant owner kind of was like, yeah, I gave her the address, and it turned out to be a police station. And she's 
standing in front of the address. She goes, uh, where are you? And he goes, just go on and turn yourself in because you're trying to rip me off. It wasn't as good of a story as it could have been. But again, it shows you like, what's this thing going on with people wanting to be influencers and are they going to pull it off? Are we all going to be influencers? Is there enough for more than one of us? Is there enough for the six foot five woman versus Lori Lachlan's daughter, who is a little bit on the tinier side, but cute as a button and mom and dad are rich and she's got that olive skin, which is kind of interesting looking with makeup and a lot going on there. I can't really get a good influencer story out of this, but I tried. That's a that's a segment that didn't make it to air this week, and you can see why now. AT&T won a big 5G license that I looked through with the FCC by going to FCC.gov forward slash document forward slash FCC announcements. And I saw who won the 3.7 gigahertz auction 107 that was performed on February 24th, but the results weren't released until earlier this week. I was going to do that story, and the story was going to be AT&T. Time Warner, like why is why is AT and T stock struggling? They got Time Warner or what's that one called? HBO Max, HBO Max, right? Why is that one struggling? Why is the stock struggling when you see Netflix go to the moon and Disney go to the moon? I'm like, who's the next one to go to the moon? Because there's two streamers that are out there that have done squadoosh. Three, I guess you could say Paramount Plus just came out this week. Then you'd go HBO Max. It's doing well with numbers, but the stock's doing nothing for AT&T. And then you got Comcast, who owns Peacock. And that one's doing nothing, but Comcast has raised prices this year. I'm like, that's interesting. I got an email from Comcast at the end of last year that said, we're raising your internet prices. We were kind enough not to do it during 2020 because we know you have kids in school and we know that some people are being evicted. So we're not going to raise, but 2021, we're raising prices. Do you know who loves prices being raised? Investors. When you get a subscription, every month you pay for cable or they cut it off and they're raising the rates. Wall Street loves it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wall Street is a, is drunk happy with subscriptions that have the power to raise prices. So I saw that story this week. I never got to it. I kind of wanted to do something on AT&T won the auction. Comcast didn't. Comcast is probably be doing buybacks this year. They're very similar profiles in my mind. Of they, they provide a service, but on top of it, they have a second service. Uh, I didn't buy either, but I thought about it this week. There was a big story this week that I wanted to get to that I did not. Americans have saved $1.6 trillion since the pandemic began. Now, I'm a yellow legal paper kind of guy. And what that tells me is, let's write down that number first. And, and you go, excuse me for cursing here. You go, Jesus, that's a big number, $1.6 trillion dollars we've saved in one year as a nation and i've got pent-up demand and when it when it opens rob's gonna be spending money consumers saved an extra 2.9 trillion globally that's a big number those savings are expected to continue to grow as long as restrictions are out there the world when i say the world is saved 2.9 trillion 
a large chunk of that comes from China, Japan, and major European nations like Spain and the UK. Biden's doing a $1.9 trillion relief package, but you throw in the $2.9 trillion globally, and you're like, this is going to get nutso if we can squash the pandemic. What up with Texas? Americans are saving the equivalent of South Korea's whole GDP. The whole GDP we've saved. And we're not a nation of like, let's just squirrel under the mattress forever. Americans saved more than the decline in spending. How is that even possible? That's how much we saved. I wanted to get to the story, and it, it's a good story. It's just, does will it resonate with anyone? When I tell you don't panic on the Wall Street right now, because we have this coming. We know the Calvary is on its way. Are we even allowed to say Calvary anymore? Is that against American Indians or Native Indians or Native Americans? Oh, my head's about to blow up. Internal editor on. Are we allowed to say the Calvary's coming? Calvary's coming. There's a lot of cash coming to this market from the government and from us who have been saving. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I think there's kind of a story that's out there that we're not really paying much attention to as a nation. And we could call it investor nation or whatever you want to do. Tied towards supply. And I heard an analyst talk a couple weeks back and she was talking about Tesla's secret really isn't going to be in the next car that they develop. It's not going to be in the tank style truck. Is the cyber truck cool? It kind of is. If that's the thing you want, I feel that one might not age terribly well. Where we look at it, we go, Ooh, what were we thinking? <laughs> what were we thinking? But it might. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a style fashionista in a way, shape, or form. But Tesla's secret, according to her, was their access to, to product um, to make stuff. I saw a story earlier this week that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Tesla has kind of become an advisor of the nickel mine in New Caledonia. I'm like, where's New Caledonia? That sounds made up. But Tesla's going to buy nickel for its battery production amidst concerns of shortages. So they've partnered with a mine. M-I-N-E, not mime. Marcel Marceau, the greatest mime of all time. He's stuck in his Tesla. He cannot turn it on. But nickel is the biggest concern for scaling lithium-ion. Nickel is huge. It's key in the production of lithium-ion batteries. Tesla is expected to become an individual advisor at the Pacific Island's Goro Mine, which is owned by Brazilian mining giant Vale, V-A-L-E, publicly traded. Electric car makers around the world are saying, Volvo said, we're only going to be electric by 2025. And you're like, wait, wait, this year's already two months over. That's right around the corner. 
So Volvo is going to be looking for nickel to make batteries, or they're going to be buying batteries from Elon Musk. And that's where that analyst kind of, it resonated with me when I saw the story about there's an island in the Pacific that Tesla's trying to control what comes out of the mine and what doesn't. That has to fascinate you a little bit. A little bit? So if you walk away with anything, lithium ion and nickel. Now, New Caledonia, Pacific Island, is the fourth largest nickel producer in the world. Most nickel comes out of Canada, Indonesia, and Russia. So Tesla's like, let's go park on this Pacific Island. What's interesting to me about that is I get it to use my Canadian joke. I love Canada. I love their hockey. I love their women and I love their beer. But now I could go, I love Canada. I love their hockey. I love their women. I love their beer and their nickel. And the Mounties are awesome. Again, kind of a sexist joke from my past that probably is not going to age well when you say, yeah, I like Canadian women. What I liked about Canadian women, and this is just cliche, I dated one Canadian woman. She was awesome. She was just refreshingly different than American women. Just different. I I did like Bob and Doug. Um, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Cool, 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 cool. And some great comedians have come out of Canada, right? <laughs> You're saying drop it. They're, they're Canadian football? Uh-uh. 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 They need to stop that immediately. Just throwing it out there for you. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. It's been a very dramatic week on Wall Street. Monday was huge. Today is the fourth day in a row that markets are falling, and it's a good fall. NASDAQ's down 2.3%. The S&P 500's down 1%. Dow Jones Industrial Average down less than one half of 1%. That's a pretty good fall. High-flying tech is getting hit. Every dog has its day. Right now, it's NASDAQ. With 4 million Americans long-term unemployed, benefits cliff is looming. This is something we don't talk about on the show. We talk about employment numbers and what we like and what we don't like about them. But the long-term unemployed, it is not fun to talk about, and it is very unattractive. 41.5% of all the unemployed have been out of work at least six months, so they are long-term unemployed. And that wrecks you. Oftentimes on the show, I did a big segment yesterday about you work from 20 to 60. So let's say that's 40 years. Now, some of us are going to only work 30 years. Some of us are going to fall out of the workforce here and there, take a, a sabbatical. Some of us are going to get prego. And you're saying, we're going to get a spaghetti sauce? No. Pregnant. Um, but when you're unemployed for six months or longer, your ability to save income is gone. You're now spending your savings. You're now going to food banks. So long-term joblessness is near and a record in the United States. It's not anything I ever talk about. Long-term unemployment is a period of at least six months without a job. And it becomes 
I don't want to use the word sketchy, but realistically, it is not a good thing. 4.1 million Americans have been unemployed six months or longer, up by 3 million over the past year. That's a serious number. Dr. Seuss books are flying off eBay this week as apparently there's some racist imagery in some of the past books that they've decided, let's pull them. Whereas the great-great-granddaughter of Dr. Seuss is like, um, instead of pulling them because I make money on those, can we um, just put a disclaimer on them? Are you for pulling books? I gotta say, I don't like that idea. Initially, I don't like the idea. I don't like racist images. But should we pull books or disclaimer them? I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Do you remember when we were going into the pandemic? When we first found out what Zoom is? And I did stories on the air like Banana Republic is having problems selling pants. People are just buying shirts. Oh, I hate doing television with just uh, sitting down in my office. I like wearing pants. Well, as we open back up, Guess what we're going to buy more of? Pants. I know you're saying that's odd. Yeah, Urban Outfitters has started to see and release data that shows the COVID pandemic is starting to get behind us as women are starting to gravitate towards shopping for dresses again. Retailers Anthropology. It's a big brand. Saw seven of its top 10 selling items were dresses in the last week of February. Retailers like Urban, Gap, and Nordstrom prepare for customers right now to return to stores and refresh their wardrobes. They continue to face congested ports and container shortages. Big story last year. So what do you stock the shelves with? So we're saying sayonara to sweatpants. We're saying hello to dresses. It's a sign of the reopening. I kind of like the idea. Apparel sales dropped 19% last year. You're going, no way. I thought you were making that up. No, it was a material drop. 19% in one category. Ooh. Pandemic hit clothing hard. Last year, sweatpants sales were up 17%. I love this story. When you see me in a tracksuit or sweatpants, it, it, wait, wait, wait. Let me put this a better way. If you see me out having lunch in sweatpants or a tracksuit, I've given up. It's the fashion statement that says he's given up. Right now, I have a hoodie on. I got my neck warmer to kind of keep my, my my throat as clear as possible. It also ask, acts like a, a face mask. But yeah, I, I, I want to throw the sweatpants away. I want to throw the, the, like, I don't want to throw them away. 
I throw nothing away. I had a girlfriend's mother. For some reason, she kind of 25 years ago or 30 years ago, she went shopping too crazy and she somehow got a sweatshirt she didn't want. And she gave it to me. I still have that sweatshirt because it doesn't age. It's blue. It's industrial, but it doesn't age. Why throw it away? Like, that's how frugal I am. I'm not a hoarder. Just frugal. Sweatpants sales surged 17% last year. Sleepwear was up 6%. Footwear down 27%, but slippers were up 21%. So now as we go into the spring of our discontent, retailers are are poised to have a nice comeback if the ports can clear up their problems because there's backlogging merchandise. Merchandise is not good in semiconductors. Merchandise is not good in clothing. Right now, they're trying to get shorts and dresses out there because during, as summer turns to fall, we will no longer want our shorts and our dresses. We'll be like, oh, it's getting cold out. We don't, we can't wear things that expose our legs. I know you're saying, great impression of a person wearing a dress. Thank you. And the academy goes to, I'm so confused right now. I'm like, when are the academy awards? Have we had them yet or not? The Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, like this pandemic needs to end for my own mental health. You heard it here. I got the Oscar. I want I want to thank Mike and Mike and Gary and Steve, um, Juliet. And I know you're saying, who are all these people? I just made most of them up. But if I ever give a speech like that, it's going to be the worst speech ever because I'm going to just do first names only. And you're going to be like, I don't get it. So Macy's, we're going to keep an eye on Macy's stock. Eh, not so much. We're going to keep an eye on Kohl's. That's better. How about TJ Maxx? Oh, by the way, I was reading some advertising reports yesterday. Video games and advertising. A little bit on marketing as well, but not much. One of the big things on marketing and advertising right now is how do they get you back into the store? And there's an ad campaign for a company called Suit Supply. Suit Supply, S-U-I-T, Suit Supply. And they're showing us what it's going to look like. Basically, their ad campaign is two women kissing, two men kissing, and a man and a woman kissing with just a lot of tongue. The thing you notice in the ad campaign is just a lot of tongue. You don't notice the gay couple next to the straight couple next to the gay couple. You have to focus. I mean, you really have to look at the advertising, but you notice the tongue. You're going to try to make advertising for retail right now very, very, for lack of a better word, erotic. Trying to appeal to us like, don't you want to live this life again? You've not been on a date on Tinder in one year. Ah, tongue wrestle. For lack of a better word, tongue wrestling is big in advertising coming into the spring. Speaking of spring, spring is a time for the housing market. Historically, um, there's nearly half as many homes for sale at the end of February compared to a year earlier. Okay, let me say that again. So, okay, we're going into spring with half as many homes for sale 
as the end of February. We've seen a pullback by sellers, resulting in roughly 207,000 fewer homes listed for sale for the first two months of 2021. What's this mean to you and me? Prices go higher. So if you want to get in, there's very limited supply. And that becomes the seller's market. In January, prices were up 10% year over year. A sharp drop in new listings tied heavily in the United States to bad weather in Texas and bad weather across the South for February has changed how many homes are going to be for sale. Last month's record cold and snowstorms caused sellers to hit the pause button, if only temporary. It is a setback going into spring. We want as much inventory as we can have out there. So you saw big drops in Kansas City and Oklahoma City and Texas. The only cities in the United States seeing gains in inventory, listen to this one, Denver, San Francisco, and San Jose. That's it. So I guess that's good news if you're in the Bay Area looking. But something tells me San Francisco and San Jose are not going to yield on price anytime soon. Tight supply has only made it tougher for buyers and easier for sellers to be bullish. Asking prices for newly listed homes hit an all-time high in February, $347,475. But who knew that winter storms in Texas, Ted Cruz, I'm talking to you, who knew that winter storms would turn into a story of inventory and housing? You're like, I don't know, it's going to be about going to Cancun, <clears throat> which for the record, I bet that hotel's rocking, <laughs> getting that kind of advertising. Wait, you have rooms that are open? Virgin Galactic is dropping 18% today. This is a question that I ask people who email me stupid questions. What do you think about me investing in Virgin Galactic? And I'm like, well, you know, it's going to be volatile. I got a question yesterday about Bitcoin and I was like, you know, it did fall 80% a couple years ago, right? Just checking. Just checking to make sure that you know that there's downside. So Virgin Galactic down 18%. Did they have a rocket go up in space and blow up? Nope. They came public through a SPAC back in 2019. There is one investor, Shamath Baliapja. You've seen him probably on Shark Tank. <clears throat> Good-looking man, but he's a huge investor in Virgin Galactic. So he sold 15.8 million shares. $213 million stake. What is Chamath going to do with that money? I don't know. Is he going to buy a boat? Is he going to buy a rocket? Is he going to buy Apple shares? Is he going to buy a new camera? I don't know. But him selling is causing the stock to go down 18% in one day. I throw that out there for you. Just as, a, again, a reminder that bad things happen to interesting companies. Manchester United is a publicly traded company. You know, you're like, no, no, Manchester United is the biggest soccer club in the world. Mm, they're the New York Yankees of the world, for sure, of the soccer world. But listen to this. They just returned to a profit despite not having fans in the seats all year long. 
And that pushed the stock higher. English Premier League fans have been able to attend soccer games. Not at all this year. London took it seriously. You didn't see like the stragglers in the in the in the fan in the stands. They had nothing. But they just recorded a profit of 63 million pounds. Revenues rose 2.6%. All without fans in the stands. The club's commercial revenue declined 11%, but a major boost to broadcasting revenue drove the revenue growth. Look at your streams of revenue. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Not a bad gift. Shares of Manchester United for your for your kids. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. One area of caution is trying to do it too fast, too soon, or trying to catch up for years of underperformance or lack of caring. That's where I see most people make mistakes, financially speaking. It's not that people invest in their 401k. It's that they start too late. It's not that people pick a stock loser or two. It's that they bet too big on a stock loser or two. I've lost money on stocks that I didn't know what I was doing. Got in, didn't really have a good plan to get out. It's okay. It's it's trying to hit the home run is where you get hurt. And that's where people don't understand real estate hurts you. You're trying to hit a home run the moment you get into it. You're like, well... I don't have enough money to buy a $600,000 duplex or a million dollar duplex. So I'm going to go to the bank and borrow it. That's the risk. It's not in the real estate. The real estate's probably going to work out in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's the risk is your ability to pay it back in good times and bad times. The risk is the tenant who goes, screw you, dude. I'm taking the copper pipes with me. The risk is, you know, under insurance, that's kind of an easy one to fix. So I see problems when people try to hit too hard. Got an email yesterday on Bitcoin. And I don't know what else to say. It's like, if you want to make it 1% of your portfolio, I think that makes a ton of sense. That's fine. Just don't go too much more than that. And if that 1% grows into 2%, that's great. But he's asking me when it's at 50,000. He didn't ask me when it was down 80%. And again, I just, I see this mistake a little bit too often to not, again, point it out to you. Um, and I told you recently, um, I think it's, I, I think it's a lovely idea. But I still don't know one person who's bought a computer with it a car with it. And that, no, no, this is the year where institutions start saying, we want some of the stuff. And I think you have space to get into it if you want to do 1%. But I see people who want to do $50,000 or people come to me and they go, I got $5,000 to invest. What should I put it in? Your only bet should not be Bitcoin. 
that's not the right way of doing this game, so to speak. A friend of mine's an attorney, and we've been talking recently, and he goes, most people are going to lose money. And jokingly, I said, would you tell your audience? Would you tell my audience? And he goes, no way. He goes, I'm going to start my own Bitcoin. And he's a IP patent attorney, real smart tech guy. One of those guys from high school, college that you probably remember that was socially awkward. That married the first woman who he dated and he didn't date her until he was like 28, maybe. Um, I'm not knocking on late dating. I think it's great. This guy's got some good money. He's got some good coin. He's a smart man. But I get asked my opinion on Bitcoin, and I have no investment rating on Bitcoin. There are major concerns that are fair. Mark Cuban says, if you want to own 1%, that's fine. I think that's good enough advice. An attorney that I know warns that you better find a good app to store it, because if your app ever gets hacked, you're going to lose it all. It's not that the Bitcoin's going to be hacked. It's that your wallet will be hacked. And I'm starting to think the world's been hacked 10 times over, just between you and me. Uh, so I asked the guy who emailed me, I said, are you okay if it drops 80%? And he goes, no. I'm like, well, it just dropped 80% three years ago. So that's like dating someone that on your first, uh, or you read about them in the newspaper, that they lit their husband's apartment on fire and burned it to the ground. And now she's divorced and eligible. You marry her, there's a chance she's going to burn your house down one day. Just throwing it out there. You've heard about it, okay? Same thing with Bitcoin. Uh, what happens if the original founder sell, uh, sells? There's some theories on Bitcoin. This is the wildest thing. And these have not... I'm not really a conspiracy theory guy, so I could be totally wrong here. But there's a conspiracy theory that Bitcoin was founded by one person. And that he has trillions of dollars of wealth that he, no, at this point in time, he has hundreds of billions of dollars off. That he is probably the richest man in the world. And that at any point in time, if he wants to liquidate that position, it would cause Bitcoin to basically crash to zero. He would basically, it would have been a Ponzi scheme where everyone was feeding his, his piggy bank. Everyone was feeding his piggy bank and then he pulls out. And goes, guess what? You got 0110110. You got digital numbers. Congratulations. It's more than that. But when you're answering someone's email of, can you give me an update on Bitcoin? I see major players are investing. I have an interest in investing. <clears throat> How would you rate the investment? Speculative. So <clears throat> investing in Microsoft, you know they're going to come out with an Xbox next year. Investing in Bitcoin, you don't know if it's going to be around. But you assume it will. So as long as you know the risk, that's all I care about. As I wrote, I said, it's fallen 80%, and that makes some people uncomfortable. Could it happen again? Sure. Will it go higher? I don't know. Will it go lower? I don't know. What happens if the original seller dies? I don't know. What happens if he dumps on the market? I don't know. It's all, it's, it's very, very tough for the average person to wrap their head around. And again, the point of the segment was to talk about investing's not risky in a house. It's the borrowing the money. Investing in stocks, you can cut your risk down by giving you the proper time frame and betting on great companies. I would rather hear a question from this guy, what do you think about investing in Walmart than investing in Bitcoin? 
is Walmart still a great company? Are they still relevant? Over 30 years, I think Walmart will go higher. Over 30 years, I don't know where Bitcoin will be. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.